Hi everyone, welcome to episode 4 of Did You Watch The Race? The podcast where we look at the world of Formula 1 from the dual perspective of a relatively new fan, that's myself, Colm, and a long-time viewer. Myself, Jason. This week on the show, we'll be previewing the Australian Grand Prix that'll be happening bright and early on Sunday morning. We'll be going through the news from the last week in the world of Formula 1. We'll be playing some fun games and we'll also have our fantasy predictions courtesy of Mick. So just before we start the show today, we want to give a big shout out to our Instagram winners, Orla and Cleana. They've won two tickets each to Kylemore Karting, Ireland's number one indoor karting arena. Big shout out again to Barry and the team at Kylemore for supporting us in the beginning of our Instagram page. So make sure to check them out and go and have some fun there. So we're going to kick off the show with a correction to last week's episode, the first of many I'd say we'll have to make. So we recorded the show straight after the race finished and obviously the FIA had changed their mind on Alonso's penalty in that three to four hour gap. So Alonso had been reinstated in P3 instead of Russell because the time penalty was removed. Yeah, so Aston Martin went to the FIA with seven different counts of teams doing similar during a penalty stop. So they were like, hey, we aren't the first to do it. We won't be the last to do it. Why are you punishing us for it? So they not got away with it, but have got it revoked, probably correctly, you know. Yeah. I think in fairness, last week we were talking about the FAA becoming more consistent with themselves. Yeah. And I think obviously <laughs> they they were trying to, they just kind of made an error here. But like, I feel like it's always going to happen. Like they're always going to have a decision made. And if there's any examples in the recent past, I guess. Yeah, you'd hope that this will now put it to bed, that they will bring out clear guidelines on what you can and can't do while serving a penalty on the car. I think they need to clean up the timing as well on it that it's it's left up to the team and then the team get it wrong and then they don't tell them for x y amount of laps you know so we end up in these situations where Alonso was on the podium gets told afterwards that he's lost his podium and then it gets reinstated later you know this happened that he served that penalty early enough in the race and they waited until the very end i think you mentioned it last week in the podcast that mercedes didn't know how much of a penalty he was gonna get yeah yeah exactly it it was frustrating to see how long they had to think about it and they still got it wrong (laughs) i can't wait for this week's incident of uh, mistiming a penalty (laughs) or somebody pulling up into the wrong box or yeah yeah but oh yeah, hopefully I, I assume we'll see some sort of news this week in the lead up to it. They have ever released some new rule or like they've made yeah. some adjustments to the guidelines. Exactly, yes. I feel all. like that's fair. That's fair. Like that's how they're going to have to go about it from now on. That's all we can hope for because otherwise we just end up in more of these situations where when drivers do serve penalties towards the end of a race or even in the middle of a race, you're left not knowing where they're going with it. So maybe I like the drama. So yeah, this is probably not the last time you'll hear us have to make corrections for previous episodes. Hopefully we won't make too much of a habit of it. We'll do our best. So, to kick off the news, we have an article, just about a quote from Carlos Sainz saying, These cars and dirty air have got a bit worse compared to last year, probably adding downforce and the new regs. They're starting to become a bit like the old cars where the dirty air is becoming a limitation. So, obviously, this creates a bit of a problem for the FIA. The whole point of this generation of regulations was to make the cars better following each other. And if within a year in, we're already starting to see the engineers find ways around that. So a lot of what I've seen the talk about this is is from the new front wings with the outwash elements. They're trying to point the air away from the front tires. And that's what's causing the dirty air in the back. Adding to this effect. Yeah. yeah. So it's a worrying sign for going forward. And even like... I, I, I think think that's what's all going to happen though. I feel like the FAA can make all the regulation changes they want. But like engineers, they're going to do their best to figure out the best way for the car to be better than others. I feel like this year might be unfortunate at the minute. But I think they can make upgrades and, and get a yeah. bit closer. I do, like, like, last year, it was way better than the year before. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But yeah, it's something that, like, Adrian Newey famously said years ago that he loves new regulations because it's finding out the little things around it. Yeah. That's the enjoyable part. If he was, he, yeah, he basically said if he was given a full clean slate to design a car, he wouldn't enjoy it because 
it's the challenge of the regulations. Even anecdotally, I was just thinking the first couple of races, it didn't feel like there was a lot of overtakes. It got we got very quickly to teams just locking in yeah, Line Stern, Red Bulls, Mercedes, Ferraris. I think cars definitely still follow a bit closer though. Like Oh yeah. They're not overtaking as much like this season so far, but they're definitely a lot closer anyway. Yeah, and we'll need to see it on more races as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if we'll see the FIA doing something maybe towards the end of the year or start of next year, just changing up the regulations again just to try and keep that. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I do think though last year there I think we had so many instances where cars could follow really closely and make two or three attempts before they had to back off. Yeah. And so Maybe we are a tiny bit spoiled to see that this year, oh, they haven't happened as often yet. That'll take time for yeah. it to come, maybe. But I do think there's still been some exciting overtakes already. Yeah, season. like, um, so actually this brings us on nicely to our next segment, but Stroll's overtake on Science at the beginning mm. of the race in yeah. Saudi Arabia was incredible. It was amazing overtake wide around the outside. But yes, yeah, so that brings us on to the source of his damage and have to retire. He was running over bumps at some point during that overtake. Basically, the engine got wrecked. <laughs> From the curbs? Yeah, they said the positive upward load through the car dislodged the exhaust and a couple other components. They clocked it once the car got back to the pits that there was exhaust pipe was basically hanging off and they could obviously see on the sensors that there was massive issues with the engines. That's why it was such an urgent height. height oh, in. was it overheating or... No, it was, it, it was physical broken components. Okay. Yeah, it, so the, their line was, it wasn't a fault, it was a brake. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So yeah, so it's not really Mercedes problem, but well, I suppose... Should a car be falling apart going over a bump? Yeah, again, but like, that's how the car was put together after the engine was made, so I don't think that's a Mercedes. Yeah, and it could be to do with how Aston Martin are setting up their rear suspension, but actually I'm pretty sure they... I think they... it's with duct tape, I think they said. Yeah, famously. <laughs> yeah, look, it was obviously just... Look, you can be very unfortunate if you hit a bump at just the wrong time speed yeah. with the torque on the engine, everything like that. Yeah, something like that can happen. So that was the cause of his damage from last week. So again, and at least that's kind of something, I suppose, they when they know exactly what it is, they now know what to look at to fix it. They'll be... That seems like a relatively, not easy fix, but like, that seems kind of like a free accident. Yeah, yeah. That's probably, it's probably down to weight savings. Yeah. They would, it would have been cutting supports, maybe something like that. You wouldn't know. And if you're looking at the strength of the car, I know it's only been two races, but looking yeah. at the strength of the car, I feel like him having to stop this race isn't much of an issue. He'll come back. I know he's had an unlucky start to the season, but... Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's just using up his... Bad luck now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, on the note of Mercedes, they were using the wrong components in the wind tunnel, is that what you're saying? Yes, there's an article here about them, I'll just quote a bit of it here. It has emerged that some parts used in the wind tunnel, the scale models, were inaccurate and went beyond the necessary parameters. These problems have not only affected the development of the W14, such as the delays we reported during the winter, but also in terms of correlation. Subsequently, some of those who worked in this area have been dismissed. So this is what we were, like, I was thinking about this, where it's, people obviously keep parting on about the no-blame culture in Mercedes, I don't think this is a case of that. As in, there's a difference in no blame and being... Negligent. Negligent, yeah. in, incompetent. Like, we- weaponized incompetence, maybe. Yeah. Um, They're actually Red Bull employees, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Helmut Marko seen running yeah. out of the Mercedes wind tunnel. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a rookie mistake for a team like Mercedes, who, you know, for years seemed infallible. Now, yeah, again, if this is all true. I feel like infallible is not really right. I think it was just they were so far ahead that any mistakes they did make were inconsequential. If they had the same issue a couple of years ago and they were that fast, this would be nothing. This would be a blip on the radar. It wouldn't be any issue at all. So I feel like they obviously made mistakes before and it's just big news now because they're having issues and it's more public. Yeah, yeah. But obviously this explains to some degree the confusion from between testing and the first and second races with Mercedes that they weren't happy with what they were seeing. They were happy, then they hated the car, they thought the car was okay. Yeah. 
and obviously delayed their development into the start of the year. So the article does mention that this was found back a couple of months ago. So this isn't new information. It's more like venue and now they're publishing the, yeah. the conclusion to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So you'd imagine they'll be a bit happier once they get their first actual updates onto the car. Because this is an extension of the issues they had last year, obviously, with... They never yeah. saw porpoising in the wind tunnel. I wonder was it the same, like it probably is the same place, like you've caused this last year and now you've done it again. Yeah, it's obviously it's just a go. continuation into it. I suppose finding the issue will help them going forward. It'll be interesting to see, yeah, from their first update package, I think they're expecting that Imola, will the car progress a good bit further from now, now that they've, they're solving these problems in the background. I really doubt that it would be, if you made a mistake like that, even though it's a really big mistake, I really doubt you'd get fired just for that. It probably must have been like a recurring issue. Yeah, exactly. If it was a string of this happening. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was you messed up once, get out. (laughs) We'll find out more as the season continues and they start bringing out the updates whether this problem has been fixed or not. So Hamilton obviously had an Instagram post up saying himself and Angela Cullen have parted ways for the rest of the season in a professional manner anyway. A nice heartfelt message he put up saying for the last seven years Cullen Angela has been by my side, pushing me to be the best version of myself. I'm a stronger athlete and a better person because of her. So today I hope you'll join me in wishing her the very best as she takes on the next steps to pursue her dreams. Thank you for everything, Ange. I can't wait to see what the future has in store for you. So it seems like quite an amicable... Yeah, it sounds like a, that sounds like a really positive thing. It sounds like she just got a, a good job and it's time for her to move on. Well, she obviously had like she had a lot going on in her own life as in she's done crazy cycles and so I think she cycled the length of South America and... Fuck. Oh yeah, so like has enough going on, I would say. So I'd imagine it's more like that. She's moved on to something new rather than... I'd say she's probably making a smart decision. I'm going to say that she probably doesn't have another job and she's just, she's had enough money now and she just wants to enjoy her life. And yeah. I feel like if I got to that position, I'd do the exact same. Exactly. Like it's a grueling circus for seven years to yeah. go week in, week out to racetracks and, you know, de- dealing with all that. So I'd say she yeah. probably loved the job as well. Oh yeah, you yeah. can love a job, but also it can come to a natural end. Obviously, I'm making complete wild assumptions here on someone I don't know. So Angela, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, we'd love to have you on and get your perspective. Yeah, absolutely, Angela. Give us a call anytime or messages on Instagram. Did you watch the race? This has started quite a few rumours that Hamilton might be retiring at the end of the season. He's not happy in the car. You know, Angela's gone, all this kind of stuff. Obviously, he's nothing left to prove in the sport, but I, I don't think there's a huge pile of reading to the story regarding... No, it just sounds like she's moving on. That's yeah, fine. yeah, exactly. I think it's... Uh, it's, it's a more, nothing story, really. It's more people looking for something to talk about. I heard like taking, us. I heard in the split, though, that she's taking Roscoe. Oh, that'll be rough. <laughs> <laughs> on to McLaren then so there's been a bit of a reshuffle there in the development team James Key who's been over for the last couple of seasons is now going out and they're being replaced by a committee of three people over car concept and the technical design of the car so we have David Sanchez from Ferrari who obviously we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast he will be in there with Peter Podrumu and Neil Holdy, who are both existing in McLaren. David Sanchez will be starting in January 2024, so it'll be a while before these changes become apparent on the track, but I would like to not have to rag on McLaren every week on yeah. this podcast. Um, I think someone was saying, they were like, oh, you know you must have been good at your job if you need three people to replace you. And But in my head, I was like, you know you're bad at your job if you're getting the boot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I suppose if it's leaving on your terms, maybe, but... Yeah, well, I don't know if he was or not. Maybe maybe he was. Um, I would but it doesn't seem it. like... Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Um, maybe it was too much for one person and they hadn't structured it properly. Um, yeah, it's... Once the organisation is correct, I don't think it, it matters which format you're following. So either the one person over it or the committee. I think... No, I think what I mean each... is like, he, like, if they're splitting his job in three... Like, it doesn't matter what title he had. It's yeah. probably more that he had too much work that maybe he could handle. 
yeah, or like, yeah. there was too much responsibility. It was like like there could have been like bottlenecking on 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 the tasks or something. And different people are good at different stuff as well as, and you can have a fantastic technical director who is terrible at the other side of the sport and the the concept design or whatever. Yeah, look, they're at least they're trying something new. Yeah, I like it. Like if you're struggling, you need to make changes, and obviously yeah. they're they're considering. Yeah, I think it's fine. It'll be interesting to see what David Sanchez can do there in a fresh start, and hopefully McLaren yeah can move on from. Just being a billboard with wheels. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see what uh, the Ferrari aerodynamics can do when he's separated from the incompetence of Ferrari. Yeah, was was he the incompetent one or were they the... <laughs> well, looking at the car, like, yeah. the car looked great and it looked like the airflow was fantastic. It's just that the strategy and the and the rest of the team were a bit uh, dysfunctional. Yeah. yeah. So just to round off the news now, we're going to talk about Max. He was trying to launch his own clothing line, I think. Um, so just to read out the article here. Max Verstappen plans to launch his own clothing brand. Max One has hit roadblocks with Nike opposing it due to name similarities with Air Max. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I wonder are we going to see a Supermax, ah, Supermax first McDonald's style case here again where you can't just copyright a name for no reason. How funny would it be if he just changed it to Supermax and then Supermax tried to sue him for the, for the same thing? <laughs> I think we should pitch a a collaboration effort between we can, Max we, and Supermax. We can bring them together. Yeah, yeah. I think that is what the world needs going forward. Yeah, I think it's a, it is it is quite similar to Supermax versus McDonald's. Yeah. I have no law degree and I don't claim to know that much about the law. But just based off the that previous case, it, I, in my head, like it's his name. Yeah. Max and his racing number is number one. I really don't see Nike winning this. Like it's not like he's taking the tick. Yeah, yeah. Again, now, and I'm not a lawyer either, so I don't know. But I think that they have a bit more stand on here that their brand is Air Max. But I think the thing is that it's the way they're using the word yeah. is in different contexts where he's using it as his name. Air Jordan. I know that's Nike's as well, but like that's an example of like Jordan's name. Obviously, Jordan doesn't have a, a use in the English language. But yeah. Obviously, Max does. And they're using it like like this is the Max. Like this is yeah, the pinnacle of whatever. Two meanings of the same word. Yeah, and I think in the context, it's a very different meaning. I really don't see how Nike could win this. But again, what do I know? We'll watch this story with interest as it develops. <laughs> I'll watch the story with a furrowed brow. Watch this story to the max. So on to this weekend's race. It's obviously starting at the lovely time of 6am on Sunday morning. So it'll be a bright and early start. But at least it's not the other way around. Are you where... getting up to watch the race? Yeah, yeah, I will. Are you? Oh, you can ask me that. On the day. <laughs> Find um, out next week. So I think it goes without saying, Red Bull are obviously hot favourites coming into this track. Bit of background on the race, we're obviously looking at another street track, it being in Albert Park itself. It's one of those kind of similar Saudi Arabia where it's purpose-built, but the public. Built around it. Yeah, it's pu- purpose-built on public roads, if mm. that makes sense. And there's a lot of the infrastructure is there all year round, and then they'll kind of piece the rest of the track together. So that offers its own set of challenges, where obviously the the surface is being used all year round so it takes a little bit longer for them through the practice sessions into the qualifying for the track to rubber up a little bit to clear off all the dust from a year's usage and people walking around on it i think it's a bit silly realistically like i i get the appeal of street tracks but i feel like it's a bit silly to have them like it doesn't make any sense i think it does make sense i don't think it makes sense when they're every second race is a street track but that's a story for another podcast (laughs) yeah weather wise as well it's looking like there might be a little bit of rain coming in on friday so that'll make it even more interesting regarding the practice obviously if they don't get a full run at the free practice one and two it'll make their life a little more difficult for the rest of the weekend it'll make the track a little bit greener as well 
Yeah, especially for the rookies. Like, at least all the other drivers have experience on the track. Yeah, because obviously, and this is the first time Formula 3, Formula 2 have came to Australia as well. So the rookie drivers wouldn't have had a chance to race on this in a full kind of carnival weekend, getting all the atmosphere on. It's one of the busiest races of the year as well in terms of the amount of people that go to it. So there's a lot for them to take in this week. So for this year's race, there's actually four DRS zones? Yeah, so with two detection points. So I think DRS is going to be very powerful. And obviously there's been a lot of reports about the efficiency of the Red Bull DRS at the moment that they effectively have nailed DRS they're cutting a lot more drag just their system is so much more efficient so that's what? helping them massively on do you the, know specifically what it is about the DRS system on the Red Bull that's more efficient I haven't looked into it much but I would assume it's how efficiently they're splitting the air so the way the DRS works isn't just from the releasing opening, yeah yeah it's it's that it splits the airflow over the wings so once that separates between the top element and the bottom element that's what reduces the downforce. The not lack so, of a wing. Yeah, not so much. To the, yeah, exactly. So whatever way they're doing it, it's obviously interrupting the flow very efficiently. And from the second the wing is opening, which other teams aren't getting that efficiency out of it. So again, that'll really suit Red Bull, who've traditionally been strong enough around here over the last few years. Obviously, Max last year had the engine issue that's caused them to pull over about halfway through the race. But I would look at them now and say, yeah, they're, they're, it's hard to look past them for for pole position this weekend oh, and, yeah, and, the, and the victory. Do you have any predictions for the race? Yeah, I think outside of Red Bull, I think we'll see Aston Martin strong as well. I'd like to see Stroll getting a full race. Yeah. I think they are still probably the second fastest car. I think we'll see Mercedes and Ferrari switch places this week. I think Ferrari will have a slight bit of an edge just based off last year's results. And also Mercedes still isn't just comfortable on its tyres yet. And I think that'll affect them in the warm-up phase. So watching last year's Grand Prix, Hamilton massive issues getting the hard tyres warmed up. And I think they'll have that again this year and Ferrari will just have that bit more than them. I'm sure Ferrari will find a way to uh, get the P- P6 and 7. Safety car wise, there's usually a good chance of having one here. Obviously, it is it is a street track, but it's not as traditional street track. The walls aren't that close to it. But just the nature of the circuit, there's a couple of key corners that there will nearly always be a clip or a collision at that you'd likely to see. So into T3, 4 and into five that kind of section there has often tripped up so Vettel tripped up on that last year just caught the curb wrong and into the final sequence of turns as well there's a couple of great overtaking opportunities at the end of the DRS zones but the track really tightens in so that tends to get people thrown out onto the gravel where they get lost and there's only really a safety car is the only way out of that then so just a question that I have around the track why is there four DRS zones and only two detection points is the straights on this track quite short or it's more so just that there's a turn in between the straights. So the two sets of DRS detection zones, the first one is split by the first second chicane and then that, that leads into another DRS zone and then DRS zones three and four are split by another chicane. But is it just that, that the straights are quite short so they want to give people more opportunity on, a, on another straight or what's why why give them an extra DRS zone? Traditionally, yeah, this wouldn't have been a massive overtaking spot. So they'll monitor this through the weekend. As they look at free practice one and two, they'll check and see how effective the DRS is before they'll commit to that zone. So they can, they oh, can they change them it? up to. Yeah, oh, they can change okay. them up to, I think, the Saturday. So they could either move the detection zones or they can just shorten DRS zones to... That would really they... mess up strategy if you had a plan, no? Well, it's the same for every team, so... Well, yeah, so I'm not saying it's not fair, but, like, yeah, if you're one of the further back in the field, it'll be like... Because, like, if you're head, you're like, we don't really care. Yeah. But uh, some of the teams might be not relying on them, but, like, if you're trying to overcut or undercut uh, other teams... It might have a big effect on your timings that you that you come up with for your strategies. Yeah, well, I suppose that's what they'll be aware of this and they'll be looking at it into the practice sessions to see. Yeah, fair enough. They probably got enough warning at this stage. Yeah, exactly. They, they know the FAA are, are likely to do something like this. 
But yeah, I think it leans back into what we were saying as well of the driver saying that the cars aren't as good to follow. So having that extra bit of DRS, it just, it'll make a race more exciting. Hopefully. Uh, it adds more overtakes. I don't think it necessarily makes the race more exciting. I, I don't think anyone loves seeing a DRS overtake like Stroll on Science at Saudi I think Arabia. It, I think it does make it more exciting, but mostly when you know there's a car catching up. So like if someone has a penalty or someone uh, gets messed up in the pits and then you know that they're they're chasing to catch someone up and they're coming to a DRS, that does make it more exciting when you know yeah. there's a DRS coming up. Not necessarily the overtake itself, yeah. but the fact that you like... You, you, you're in anticipation to the DRS zone. You're like, oh, this is this is where it's going to happen. So I, I feel like that anticipation makes it a lot more exciting. The main detractor for DRS for me would be that drivers know they're going to get it, so they won't risk an overtake. Anywhere else. Yeah, that yeah. They, if DRS wasn't there, they would have to do that. They'd have to start thinking outside the box. That's fair, actually. Whereas yeah. now, and it, it, it cuts down opportunism around the lap when they know they can save up for one set zone where they're able to do it. Yeah, that's fair. In terms of strategy, last year was a one-stop race. We seen actually the overcut was quite powerful last year where drivers were staying out longer. So this again leads back to where they're struggling with getting the tyres warmed up. The tyres are a little bit colder this year as well, so that issue could be even worse. What are the compounds this weekend? So we've the smack bang middle of the range, we've C2, C3, C4 tyres this week. But yeah, where the overcut is powerful, obviously that's tyre warm-up is the big issue. But you'll still see cars coming back at each other as they get back into that tyre warm-up zone. Then last year, strategy-wise, we had one big outlier in Albon who obviously ran the whole race on a set of hards and pitted on the last lap to oh, yeah. come in for the pit stop. <laughs> yeah, so I'd, we'd love to see something like that again. You know, a driver taking a punt on a strategy if they think they can hold on to their tyres for the race. But then, yeah, at the lower end of the grade, I think we've seen Haas obviously having a slightly better weekend in Saudi Arabia, so they'll be hoping to move on from that. I think Hulkenberg is starting to get used to that car, so I could see him having a decent weekend here. The more into the season they get, the more comfortable he gets with that car i think they'll emerge as one of those ones picking up that 10 place relatively consistently yeah i think i think i agree with that i wonder have any of the rookies gotten any points yet because that'll be if they haven't i really like to see that this weekend no none of them have gotten any points yet i think the closest has been sergeant but no none of them have got points yet so yeah look depending on the race that throws up it could happen here that'd be a nice boost for their morale especially this early in the season yeah yeah it's they've gotten over the first couple of tests and now they can start pushing the car a little bit albert park is a track that does punish apprehension going into a turns we've seen last year science say going off when he just didn't look confident yeah. out around the side of it there's a couple of turns that are kind of slightly off camber that can if you're not fully committed into it it will throw you off and there's usually gravel on the far side of it so it's a very different challenge to saudi arabia in that sense where the physical wall blocking you isn't scaring you it's going off and getting beached yeah so it's a very it's a completely different challenge really to Saudi Arabia for them yeah it'll be interesting to see if any of them can really start pushing on now I I can't see McLaren improving that much obviously for no. Piastri's home race yeah I was about to say do you think Piastri feels a lot of pressure or is it all all uh, relieved because McLaren's such a shitbox obviously he'll be hopeful that he can do well like getting on well and qualifying yeah but qualifying's very like I think you always see that in qualifying cars. Some cars perform better in qualifying and that's just how it is. Yeah, exactly. It's it's about the weight distribution in the car and how they accept the fuel load. Yeah. But yeah, I I think a lot of that pressure will be gone from the fact that there's no expectation on him to do any better than 15th, you know. 15th, so, that's pretty high. With a couple of DNFs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it'll be an exciting race. Yeah, and obviously we'll be going through the review next week on the show, so make sure to tune into that next Wednesday. And then we'll be making, the week after that, we'll be making our corrections for all the mistakes that we make. <laughs> so tune into that one as well. <laughs> so, for a change of pace from our F Pun segment this week, we are doing Instagram poll positions. 
where Gemma has put up some questions for all of you and you've given us your answers. So, Colin, I'm going to ask you a few of them. Let me know what you think and then we'll talk through our loyal listeners' answers. Question one was, most likely to tell Roscoe he's a good boy? Uh, so, Lewis is obviously too much of an obvious answer. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm going to go with George because he's on the same team. No, Valtteri Bottas. Which I would agree with. Yeah, so I can yeah. see him being there in his. He Finnish would have been accent. there for so long as well yeah. that he he would be good friends with uh, Roscoe. I'd say. I think, yeah. Is Angela one of the options? <laughs> no, but most likely to replace Andrew Cullen will be Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's actually the answer to all of these questions. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, this um, is the Valtteri Bottas section of the podcast. No, Mick Schumacher was selected for that. What? Mick seems like the type of guy who'd be very supportive. I think he'd be very supportive of Hamilton, but. He wouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, so the next one is most likely to steal a traffic cone drunk. I would go with Lando Norris for this one. Really? Just because yeah. he looks like he can't handle his... He it looks like he can't handle alcohol and also he just looks like he's a complete messer. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. You're incorrect though. The correct answer is Nico Hulkenberg. Oh, I don't know if I see that. I could see him moonlighting as like a traffic man or something like that. <laughs> you know, he needs like, every cone he can get. Oh, uh, who would be evicted first from the Big Brother house? Um, I'd probably have to go with... Who's the most hated on the grid at the minute? I don't know if there's anyone hated. Who's the least liked? Oh, I don't think there's anyone that's particularly... Uh, Jumping out at you. Yeah. And I, I Actually, I, if it was the drivers, I think Max would have to go first. If, if, as in, like, oh, if the drivers no were way. voting... He'd be way too much drama. No, sorry. Is this the audience? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then they'll probably just pick someone boring then. So they'd probably go with Ocon or something. He doesn't have any drama. No, yeah, but I think it's so George Russell was the answer, but I think I'd agree oh. more I'd agree more with you. Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah George, I think George would cause a bit of a I don't know if he'd cause drama so much as He would cause drama that people don't like. Yeah. Whereas Max would enjoyed. cause drama that people would like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I could see like Max like throwing eggs at somebody on Big Brother. I really don't like reality TV, but I think I would watch that. Uh most likely to drunk text an ex. That's got to be George Russell, no? That is exactly George Russell, yes. Is it? Is that George Russell? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't know what it is about him. Hey, I think it's just because he's, I think as an Irish fan, I feel like he's very British. Yeah. And I, I think he epitomizes the the British lad, lad kind of vibe. Yeah, he seems like somebody who would drunk text next and then text him again to apologize the following day and then try to strike up conversation. <laughs> And then our final question for this section is, who would win against Knife Goose? What's Knife Goose? You know, the goose with the knife in his beak. Well, this one's kind of really up in the air. I don't know who would beat him, but I know the person I would like to see most in a fight, like in like a ring fight. With a goose. With a goose. Is Yuki. I was literally just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be the cult. Yeah, like I, I feel like most of the drivers could take them, take a goose. Oh, 100%. Well, actually, would... uh, geese are pretty aggressive. So is Yuki. Yeah, true. We just curse the goose until yeah. it drops the knife. The listener's answers for that was Fernando Alonso, though. Oh, yeah. I could def- I could see him getting really aggressive. I think, like, Fernando Alonso could beat a good portion of the animal kingdom. So as we continue, we're going to try out a few new segments as well. So a couple of ideas that we have at the minute are tech rewinds. So we're going to look at some of the ideas and technical developments that some of the teams have, some of the breakthrough ideas that have really led to progression in the sport and um, we're going to have a look back on team histories so tracking teams throughout the years on what their names used to be what their managements were and um, how they developed how they've changed into the teams that they are now 
We'll obviously keep F-Pun now and again. We don't want to rely too much on it. But if you have any other suggestions for other segments, other fun segments, please let us know on our Instagram page. And we'll see what we can do. We're going to finish up this week's show with a couple of notes from our fantasy guru, Mick. So for this week, Mick has said that it being a street track and more bumpy, I don't fancy Merck much this weekend. They've struggled traditionally on street tracks. There's four DRS zones this year, which unfortunately only benefits Red Bull more, but Ferrari also cut a lot of drag with DRS, so look for them to be quicker than Aston Martin this weekend, who are gaining the least pace when DRS is active. Ocon and Gazi could be good pickups. The Alpine is typically quick on these straighter circuits and could be in with a shout of being the third quickest car. That's going to be our lot for this week, folks. Thanks very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, all that. And leave us a review. It really helps us out. Also, you can find us on Instagram at Did You Watch The Race? The same as the podcast name. And next week, hopefully, we are hoping to have our producer on, Gemma. Yeah, so she'll be on with us to review this weekend's Grand Prix and continue with the fun. So thanks for giving us a listen. My name is Colm. I've been Jason. And we'll talk to you next week.